This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about a disease called laryngeal paralysis. So if you own a Labrador Retriever or your dog starts snoring, you have to pay attention. We'll be right back after these messages. DGP is an all-natural formula proven to help aging pets with joint and mobility problems. It goes to work quickly, providing vital nutrients to the joints while reversing the effects of age. Some people see results in as little as seven days. Don't let your dog struggle another day. Call 800-521-0543 or visit dgpforpets.com and enter code ERVET, E-R-V-E-T, for 25% off your first order and free shipping. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're talking about laryngeal paralysis. Now, I know that sounds like a mouthful, but I'll fill you in on a little secret. We veterinarians nickname this LARPAR. So laryngeal paralysis, we shorten down to LARPAR. Why is this disease important to know about? Well, unfortunately, I see this more and more, especially in older Labrador retrievers. Now, the voice box is made of muscles, nerves, and blood vessels that surround the larynx. When your dog is breathing, there's two halves of a cartilage that should pull open to allow a larger opening into the trachea. That allows air to enter into her lungs. While your dog is eating or swallowing, there's special tissue called the epiglottis that covers the larynx. And this is going to prevent food from entering the voice box and hence the lungs while your dog is eating. When we have medical problems with the larynx, this can actually result in severe, potentially life-threatening airway problems in dogs and very rarely cats. Causes for airway problems or laryngeal problems include laryngeal paralysis, trauma, in other words, if your dog or cat was potentially attacked in the neck area, certain types of cancer that grow on the voice box, or even underlying endocrine medical causes. Laryngeal paralysis is basically defined as an abnormal ability for the voice box or the larynx to work. This may be due to a problem with the muscles attached to the larynx or due to the nerves that innervate the larynx, and that's the vagus nerve. When laryngeal paralysis occurs, the two halves of the larynx aren't able to pull back appropriately, and this ends up resulting in a narrower diameter of the voice box. If you can imagine breathing through a coffee stirrer instead of a straw, that's exactly what your dog is experiencing if they have laryngeal paralysis. They're breathing through a smaller hole. Now, you may be able to tell if your dog is developing this based on certain clinical signs. 
If you notice that your dog all of a sudden has a change in bark or a high-pitched type of breathing, what we call strider, this is a classic finding for laryngeal paralysis. Now, I'm going to demonstrate what it sounds like, but if your dog is chasing a ball and all of a sudden they start breathing like this or gradually they're breathing like this, <gasps> that is most likely laryngeal paralysis. You may notice that your dog is more exercise intolerant. They seem like they're more out of shape. They may be coughing more. They may be heat intolerant, which means they can't handle being outside in 90 degree temperatures or really hot, humid conditions. You may notice that your dog is panting more or having difficulty breathing or really agitated. In severe life-threatening cases, your dog can actually collapse from this or have blue gums from lack of oxygen. They may be foaming at the mouth and have a lot of difficulty breathing please make sure to get to the ER vet or your vet immediately if you notice any of these signs because the sooner we diagnose it, the sooner we can treat it. Now, there's a couple of breeds that I worry about that get two different forms of laryngeal paralysis. There's two main types. One is called congenital, which means your dog was born with it, or another type is called acquired, which means it developed over time, but it's probably still inherited. Breeds that are at risk for inherited congenital laryngeal paralysis include Siberian Huskies, Bouviers, Bull Terriers, Dalmatians, and Rottweilers. This means they may develop laryngeal paralysis really young in life. And if they do have this, that's a breed that should ideally be neutered and not bred because, again, it is inherited. Now, the most common type that I see is acquired laryngeal paralysis, and this is more common in large breed dogs. So dogs like Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers, Newfoundlands, Irish Setters, or even St. Bernard's. And again, the number one breed I see laryngeal paralysis in is a Labrador Retriever. How do we diagnose laryngeal paralysis? When in doubt, this is a diagnosis that is often made by a veterinary specialist. If you notice again that your aging Labrador Retriever is snoring more or having strider or a louder type of breathing, you do want to get it diagnosed right away. There's a couple things that we're going to do in order to diagnose it. Now, the first thing is we're going to look at your dog based on physical exam. Doing a physical exam and an upper airway exam where we look carefully in the back of the mouth is really important. Unfortunately, dogs aren't going to stay still when we do this. And so most of the time, this needs to be done under heavy sedation. That's why I like for a board-certified specialist to be able to do it. Because sometimes we'll actually stick a small camera called a bronchoscope down the airway so we can see if the cartilage is working appropriately in the airway. We're also going to diagnose laryngeal paralysis based on the history. In other words, you telling us that your dog has a change in bark or has that high-pitched type of breathing. If in conjunction with the history, the clinical signs, the upper airway exam, that's the best way that we're going to diagnose laryngeal paralysis. A couple of other things that we're going to do include routine blood work. And this is going to be blood work called a complete blood count, a chemistry panel, and even a thyroid test. And that's because we're trying to look to see if there's any underlying metabolic problems that are going to cause your dog to be at increased risk for laryngeal paralysis. We want to do that complete blood count to also look for the presence of underlying infection, and we'll do a chemistry panel to make sure your dog's kidney function, liver function, salt balance, and blood sugar are normal. 
A few other tests we might recommend doing include doing chest x-rays. And the main reason why we're going to do this is because, unfortunately, dogs with an abnormal airway are at increased risk for aspirating. They're going to inhale their water or their food, or potentially their vomit into their lungs. And this can be a life-threatening pneumonia, what we call aspiration pneumonia. And this, unfortunately, is a common complication of laryngeal paralysis. In the ER vet, I often will do tests to evaluate oxygen levels within the body. This is something as simple as doing a pulse oximeter. Now, if you've ever been to a dentist and you've been sedated, you get that unusual thing that goes on your finger. This is a really easy way for us to be able to test the oxygen level in your dog. In severe cases, I'll actually do an arterial blood gas sample where I'll get a tiny sample from the artery to see how well your dog is oxygenating. A few other tests we might do include doing ultrasound or even tests like fluoroscopy, which is a moving x-ray, to see if your dog has a swallowing disorder or to make sure it's not cancer. Very rarely, you might be referred to a neurologist to do a special test called an electromyography to see if the nerve that's going to the airway is even working. We'll continue with this really important topic right after these messages from our sponsors. As a veterinarian, I hate bathing my dog, but I also can't stand having a stinky dog either. Well, have you heard of Pets Are Kids Too? We've mentioned their best-selling premium pet dental spray on this program before, but they also have things like an all-natural pet oatmeal shampoo that smells amazing, an anti-itch spray, an ear cleaner, and even pet calming treats. What's really cool about Pets Are Kids Too is that they donate a portion of their sales to pets with cancer. Their goal is to help save 100 pets with cancer by 2020. Check out their website at PetsRKids2.com and enter code PET15 for 15% off your order and a lifetime money-back guarantee. If you buy a product and email them a picture of your pet with the bottle, there's an email address on the back of all the bottles, they'll reply with a picture of the pet they donated to from your sale. Check them out again at PetsRKids2.com. And don't forget code PET15 for 15% off. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet. We've been talking about laryngeal paralysis. And again, this is when the cartilage to the voice box doesn't work well. Remember, the Labrador Retriever is a number one breed I end up seeing in the ER vet that ends up getting this. And the best way to recognize signs of laryngeal paralysis include a change in bark or a high-pitched type of breathing, that strider that sounds like, (gasps) (gasps) (sighs) whenever you hear this, You want to get to a veterinarian right away because the sooner we diagnose it, the sooner we can treat it. So how do we treat laryngeal paralysis? Now, there's a couple of ways that we can treat laryngeal paralysis, and that's either through what we call medical or surgical management. I always recommend starting with medical management first because it's less invasive and doesn't require anesthesia. If your dog was just diagnosed with LARPAR or laryngeal paralysis, The number one medical management I want you to implement is weight loss. And I know that sounds weird, but the more overweight or obese your dog is, the more it adds strain on the lungs. So 
This is one of the reasons why I always harp and say it's so important that your dog or your cat be at an appropriate body weight because we can really help minimize the amount of medical problems that we see from secondary obesity. The next thing we can do for medical management is to minimize stress. What do I mean by that? Now, most of the time your dog's not stressed, but your dog's gonna be more stressed breathing if you're walking them on a really hot, humid day. If your dog has that strider or that change in bark, you ideally wanna walk them on cooler days, on days where it's more shady, on days where it's not hot and humid. And my general cutoff for dogs with laryngeal paralysis is if it's greater than 80 degrees, greater than 80% humidity, it is too hot for your dog. Now, walking is really important. And it's a really important way of helping your dog stay thin. It's a really important way of making sure that your dog has good environmental enrichment, but we wanna make sure that we're minimizing it on hot, humid days if your dog has LARPAR. The next important thing we can do is avoid the use of collars or neck chains. Absolutely no choke chains. We want to use a harness instead. We don't want that pressure of the collar pulling on your dog's airway. The next thing we could do is talk to your veterinarian about using a sedative. These are drugs like trazodone or acepromazine that are going to help relax the airway and prevent anxiety. This is especially important if you're doing something stressful, like driving to the groomer or going to the veterinarian or driving six hours to go visit your family in a car ride. Talk to your veterinarian first about safe sedatives you can do to help relax that airway. Sometimes we'll actually prescribe short-term steroids. This is what I call pulse therapy, a couple of days of prednisone to help reduce that airway inflammation. We don't want to keep your dog on chronic steroids or chronic prednisone because that can have a lot of long-term side effects. The last part of medical management, if your dog was diagnosed with laryngeal paralysis and on chest x-ray, they were diagnosed with the complication of pneumonia, then we want to make sure that we're treating that appropriately with antibiotics. Now, that's pretty rare, but again, it does require that chest x-rays be done. If you tried all those things, weight loss, minimizing stress, avoiding the use of collars and neck chains, limiting those walks to cool weather, you've tried sedatives, you've tried steroids, you've tried antibiotics, and your dog is still not getting any better, I want you to talk to your veterinarian about a referral to a board-certified surgeon. This is a surgery that I recommend having a board-certified specialist do because it is not a common surgery. The surgery actually involves removing part of the cartilage that's blocking the airway. This is called a partial arytenoidectomy. The good thing is you don't have to remember that. You can just tell your veterinarian that you want a surgical referral for a possible tieback. That's what we abbreviate it as because what the surgeon is doing is actually suturing and tying back that laryngeal cartilage to the side so it's not blocking the airway. So again, a partial arytenoidectomy, also called a tieback, is the most common surgical procedure that a surgeon will do to help alleviate the signs of difficulty breathing from laryngeal paralysis. Now, what's the risk of doing a tieback surgery? The risk is now the airway is always open, and because of that, your dog will have an easier time breathing, but now your dog is at slightly increased risk for aspiration pneumonia because that airway is permanently tied open. You also have to be aware 
Once your dog has a tie back surgery, they no longer can swim. Yes, you heard me correctly. I know Labrador retrievers love to swim, but they will inhale a lot of that water if they have that tie back surgery, which increases the risks of drowning. So while a tie back can be a really important surgery to help your dog with laryngeal paralysis breathe better, we never do it if you can't commit to taking away that swimming pool or taking away those swim lessons for your dog. Is there anything we can do to prevent laryngeal paralysis? Unfortunately, not very much. The main reason why is because it's inherited. In young dogs that present with laryngeal paralysis, again, we're going to suspect that it's congenital and inherited. And so we do recommend neutering them as soon as possible to prevent further transmission of that gene. We don't want to pass on that gene to anyone else. For those dogs with acquired disease where they get it as an older Labrador when they're eight, nine, or 10, we can help prevent these episodes of difficulty breathing with medical management. Again, that's going to be keeping your dog skinny, making sure you're exercising your dog only in cool weather and not on hot, humid days. It's making sure that we're avoiding the use of collars and neck chains and talking to your veterinarian about using sedatives or short-term steroids to help keep your dog comfortable. Please know that being diagnosed with laryngeal paralysis is not a death sentence. Dogs can live comfortably with the disease for years. However, you have to be aware it can potentially cause life-threatening episodes, and we always want to make sure we take all measures to prevent any kind of relapses. Know that if medical management fails, you can always consider surgery. Well, that brings me to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we'd like to thank Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>